that nonviolent Jesus, that radical, yeah. that prophetic voice, that person who was in, in contact with his source in a way that was like, we can be human in a different way. We can be human in a new way. We can be human in a way that stands against empire and those forces that dehumanize. And we can hang out with like the people who are completely fucked up, right? Like, doesn't you know, like, you know, I, I thought growing up that you had to be like surrounded by all the people who had their shit together and had like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh-uh, no, 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 that's not the Jesus way. He was with the, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the, you know, anybody who had, had, a, had a, an openness. The table is open. This is Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, with Whitney Ann Jenkins. Hello and welcome to the 31st episode of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. This week I have with me Roger Butts. Roger is an author of a book that he recently released called Seeds of Devotion, Weekly Contemplations on Faith. He spent seven years as a hospital chaplain for a 500-bed hospital system in Colorado Springs. He's an ordained minister for 20 years as a Unitarian Universalist, and he's a former staffer on Capitol Hill. And Roger was an absolute blast to talk to during this interview. I had such a great time with him. He is so easygoing and humorous and full of curiosity and really interested in doing his part in making the world a better place. And so I'm really excited to share this interview with you. Here is Roger Butts. Oh my God. Oh my God. The pressure. <laughs> Too much. Um, so you're in Pittsburgh. I am. I'm in Colorado Springs. Yes, I was in Colorado Springs over maybe the end of September for a wedding. Um, one of my nice. really good Good family. place to get married. Yeah, it was beautiful. The weather was perfect. Not a cloud in the sky. Oh, yeah. yeah. We get a lot of blue skies. So what's on your mind today? What's on your heart? <laughs> Tell me everything about yourself. About myself? Well, yeah, I'm not um... the interviewer, am I? <laughs> Well, you could be, if you wanted, we could like switch positions. Ooh. Ooh, that wouldn't that be something? Um. <laughs> you crazy kids. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited to have you on here. I think there's probably a lot we can talk about um, considering the theme of my podcast and what you seem to be up to. Yes. Um, How do you think art helps heal um, a, a post-pandemic? How do you think art heals post-pandemic? Um, I think art is always healing, no matter always. what what time. Um, and 100%. Actually, actually, I feel like the creative voice has a lot to do with our inner voice and who we are. Um, so it's absolutely healing if we're connected to that source at all times. Yes. Yes. I, I just got an assignment with that question so that's why i asked so i was like okay let's do some double dipping an assignment yeah like for this little there's in colorado springs because where i live has a reputation for being kind of an evangelical military you know kind of place okay but there are some 
really quirky, liberal, lefty, libertarian, independent along. And, and um, so my friend Ariana Plotten, who is a unity minister with the independent newspaper brought together a whole bunch of different clergy and religious leaders from the right and the left uh. and founded this thing called In Good Faith. And it's a column where we all share our insights about things. And there's a lot of commonality. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of common ground. Um, we diverge in theological and political ways, but in other ways we're, and so she's lifting up our humanity. Yeah. So I got this assignment like, Roger, can you talk about <laughs> how art heals after a pandemic? Sure, nice. I can do that. Yeah, it, it seems like the, the core and the root of everything all starts from the same place when it comes to that kind of thing. Right. I mean, as an actress, you know, as an, a singer, songwriter, you know, you know, as a, as a person who loves poetry and prayer, I know that you're, everybody who tries to do that vulnerable, risky, connecting thing um, has to get in touch with their broken places and their wholeness and all of those oh, things. Yeah, like the shadows are just in, as important as the light. And it, yeah, and, and just uh, operate out of that place and say, okay. But I also, I think I'm going to say, that I had a I had a writer um, I had a writing teacher once who um, said that all he did was figure out how much money he needed to survive every day, and then he would make that amount of money. And I think if if this pandemic is really going to heal us, we might adopt that idea. Yeah because that's the way of the artist, right? It's like, you know what, I can bequeath my, um, no, I can't, but you know, I can give my next generation a million dollars and hoard it and hold on to it. Or I can let this pandemic teach me that, you know, hoarding is not, hoarding money is not the goal. Well, yeah, it, it kind of interrupts the flow of abundance too, right? Um, when you hold on to something, then it attracts that energy of holding on to so right. nothing is flowing like, to I'm you. going to hold on and how can you <laughs> share yourself if you're like oh all clenched up right and so yeah especially um like in Los Angeles during COVID everyone was hoarding like toilet paper and um yes. necessities like that <laughs> which <laughs> was kind of frightening um right so you're like, get me to Pittsburgh, baby. I'm going back to Pittsburgh. So if we if we look at abundance from that angle of hoarding, it's very different from like Eastern philosophies and Eastern ways of looking at it of like abundance is all around us all the time. And it's a total gift. Just, yeah. Godspell, I think Godspell, um, you know, sort of resolved that once and for all. Remember that all good gifts? Remember that song? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could start singing that song, I suspect. Um, <laughs> well, you could do. <laughs> well, I could, but very badly. Um, but all good gifts, that's the whole thing, right? All good gifts. I'm just going to be grateful. I'm going to be grounded in 
and gratitude and just perfect. Yeah, whatever you need will come to you, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad we've we have resolved for your audience and for your congregation and for your followers that God's spell is the fountainhead. Yeah. Everything everything comes from God's spell. Thank you, Mr. Schwartz. <laughs> it all emerges from there, yes. <laughs> this is the fountainhead. Some people call the fountainhead God. I call the fountainhead God's spell. So there. Mm, I like I like that word. I never thought about the word God's spell quite like I just thought about it until just now. <laughs> Our time here is done. <laughs> Cricket, grasshopper. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so it seems like you have a super fascinating and interesting existence, right? And so one of the first things that I ask my guests um, when they come on the show... Don't be mean to your guest. That's not the way to go. <laughs> uh, one of the, the first questions that I ask is just to get back to more of the beginning of you and your story and your essence. When is the first time that you realized that you had an inner voice of your own and it wasn't oh, um, influenced by like your environment or your family or your teachers? It was just purely a moment where you realized that that was you and mm. you alone. Mm. Mm. I love it. I will get back to you next week. I want to ponder <laughs> that forever. I want to sit with that and be like, come on, inner voice. Tell me when you were born in me. <laughs> um, I love that so much. Um, I grew up in a very religious family. If the church was open, if the church door was open, we were we were there. <laughs> and um, so I had a really good connection with my youth group. Um, you know, the religion didn't didn't really fit me. So I really had to struggle to un unload that yeah. and reload myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to say, this is like everybody else on your podcast has probably been like, well, at three, the angels <laughs> visited me and like gave me this voice. But I'm going to say that when I was in college, I ended up at Appalachian State University up in the mountains in North Carolina. And I ended up in a dorm that was a college, a liberal arts college in the middle of this state university. And I read James Joyce, Ulysses, and I read Garcia Marquez, 100 Years of Solitude. And I can remember reading for myself less than zero and going to see the movie, The Killing Fields. And having just visited James Joyce and Garcia Marquez, who I feel like live on my shoulder now, you know, they're a blessed memory, mm -hmm. but I feel like they've landed on my shoulder just to encourage me and cheer me on. They're part of my cloud of witnesses, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, when I got to that place, I began to let myself write in ways that were really coming out of my source mm -hmm. and my essence, which, you know, you've, you've described as a little odd. And, um, <laughs> and, and, 
And I've, and I, well, maybe you didn't describe it that way. Maybe I, I, I described it that yeah, way. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that I described that. I think you're putting that on yourself, but. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and so um, it was, uh, it was then that I was like, I can be as, as weird as I want to be. You know, Garcia Marquez, James Joyce, they are grounded in um, the ability to write. They don't take that lightly, mm -hmm. but they just see things from such weird angles. And it was like permission giving. And then, you know, unloading my religious background, which now I've integrated into my life in a way that I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not angry. I'm not any of those things, but what, 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 what I had to do was really begin to have conversations with people and really give myself permission to, to go on the path that was mine alone. Yeah. And so I would say college really helped me see the world okay. and, my, and let my voice come. And there were times before that, but college was really important for me really yeah stuck out to you and it seems like you found writing as a vessel or a channel for you to be able to contact that voice in a very tangible way oh yeah i remember when i was like so i ended up in dc i worked on capitol hill and um did some other things there and i can remember myself being in these wonderful um bars and restaurants in the middle of the afternoon and just writing and writing and writing. Um, I never got any of that published. I never tried to get any of that published. It was for my own, mm -hmm. it was for my own healing. It was for my own reparation, right. uh, restoration. Um, but yeah, writing is my vessel. Um, I, I collect art, you know, not expensive art, but I collect art. I listen to music. Music like gets me in a place that I just can't even describe. No, that's beyond words. Yeah. <laughs> beyond words. I used to think that I could find words for everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, ah, eh, it's not the goal. It's okay. Yeah. Everything doesn't need words. <laughs> oh my God. And try, you know, like the universe is like, try, just try. But um, know that it's not going to get there. <laughs> or it will be translated in any way that would be relatable to what you're trying to express anyway. So <laughs> exactly. um, let me ask you this. Um, since you went on that path in college, did you completely abandon your religious ties altogether? Or did you like maintain that kind of spirituality throughout? How did that adjust to where you are now? Yeah, I have, so I have a friend who is um, more on the evangelical side, but he's like a hipster evangelical. And, um, you know, he's fascinating, dude. And um, he says that we, we take this boat and um, it gets us to a certain place. And then we have to jump into another boat. And most of us try to like destroy the earlier boat and like sink it and do a viking funeral on its ass and all that kind of stuff right? right and um you know he's like the goal is to um is to recognize where where the gratitude is and where the the good things are and to recognize that it was a gift it could only take you so far so i knew that i wasn't a, a baptist anymore um and 
but I did, and I had a very shallow understanding of what a Baptist was, by the way. Um, but I, um, I didn't know what I was going to be. So I went to see this Methodist pastor and um, he was like, Roger, you sound like a Unitarian. I was like, all right, let's go. And so I went down the street to this little, this little house and half my professors were in there and they were doing like a communion for indigenous populations that had been um, exterminated or wow. at least attempted to be exterminated. And this was 1987 or something. I was like, oh yeah, baby, let's go. This is my, this is my yeah. jam. And so um, when I, when I really went on that journey, I was either going to be Quaker, Episcopalian, or UU. And, um, and, and I landed with the Unitarian Universalist but I'm still partially Quaker. I'm still partially Episcopalian. I'm still partially that Baptist person back there because, you know, they're fiercely independent, you know, mm. most Baptists. Right now they're in this little phase where they're pretty conformist, but in their history, they're pretty independent. And um, so I, um, I became, I, I, I went to work in politics and then I realized I have a face that only a mother could love. And, um, and so I, I wasn't going to be involved. <laughs> I don't agree with you, but go ahead. And, um, and so I, and politics is like a, it's like a contact sport, right? You know, it's yes. a fight. Mm -hmm. And um, I just didn't have that kind of personality. I, I didn't have that, you know, type A personality. And so even when I was working on Capitol Hill, I was hanging out with like Catholic workers and, you know, people who were like dumpster diving and all that stuff. And the Unitarians who were doing interesting things. And so I, um, I went to seminary in Washington, D.C. at Wesley. And um, it was very, very supportive of Unitarian Universalist uh, students, uh, very supportive of a wide range of students. And, um, and I loved it. And so I became a parish minister. Okay. And then I went into hospital chaplaincy for seven years, but now I'm back in the parish. Okay. So okay. it's fun. Nice. Could you explain what um, a Unitarian Universalist is exactly what the essence of that is? Yeah, the essence is the, um, the essence of Unitarian Universalism is this idea of landing in a place where above all we talk about the dignity of the human person and the interconnectedness of all life um so it's a, a very liberal protestant approach to church um which has now become almost interspiritual or multi-faith mm -hmm. um and so in this town my my prior colleague was um an atheist lesbian my dear friend is jewish and buddhist and polyamory mm -hmm. you know it's like all right it's a it's a free-for-all it's chaos but the human dignity and and the 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 idea that the path is yours to take as long as you're not harming anybody as long as you're not like dehumanizing mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of Unitarian Universalism. And um, 
it's not that you can believe anything you want, but the parameters are pretty, uh, pretty wide open. Um, and for some of us, it, it works. I'm still tied to the way of Jesus, um, but not in the way that like my dear friend who works at New Life Church, which is pretty evangelical and big and powerful. He probably wouldn't call it the way of Jesus, but I do. So sue me, you know? <laughs> and so that nonviolent Jesus, that radical, yeah. that prophetic voice, that person who was in, in contact with his source in a way that was like, we can be human in a different way. We can be human in a new way. We can be human in a way that stands against empire right. and those forces that dehumanize. Um, and we can hang out with like the people who are completely fucked up, right? Like, doesn't you know, like, you know, I, I thought growing up that you had to be like surrounded by all the people who had their shit together and had like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh-uh, no, 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 that's not the Jesus way. He was with the, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the, you know, anybody who had, had, a, had a, an openness. The table is open. Yeah. And so, um, did, what was your question? For God's sake, I don't even know. ADD is my friend. No, I mean, I think you're doing a beautiful job with answering it because I, I simply asked um, to describe what Unitarian Universalist oh, yeah. exactly means. Um, so you answered yeah. very specifically and wonderfully. That's well, Unitarian yeah. Universalism. And so um, I've been a minister in that tradition for 20 years. Um, this is my 20th year of ordination. Nice. And um, it's been fun. You know, it's been a challenge. It's been difficult. I'm not going to lie. It's been, you know, parish ministry and chaplaincy and all that is, is not always easy, especially during COVID. But um, yeah. here we are. Um, I would imagine that over those 20 years, too, there's been some pretty profound change just like within our society of like yes. how, how we've morphed and are shaping ourselves and so do you I'd say the biggest thing yeah. is I, I'd say the biggest change and the one that is calling me forth in new ways and challenging me and um inviting me to grow is um is the commitment to um Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. and that whole protest and um, really looking at the way that I'm I'm complicit and ways that I'm uh, my privilege has not been, um, you know, put forth to um, be in solidarity and to be accomplices and co-conspirators with those who are suffering. Um, and you know, I've always been interested in that. I've always been attempting to do that. Um, but it's a new, there's a new urgency yeah. after, after all these deaths, George Floyd. Um, and, and it's a beautiful invitation. It's just, it's just one that is heart ripping. And so, so um, Kathy Kelly, who was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, came to speak at a church I was serving a few years ago. She would go and, and um, she would go to Afghanistan when it was being bombed and she would 
um, build these networks and organizations of Afghan women um, to support them and strengthen them and, um, and to stand against the war and just be there to say, stop bombing, stop bombing, stop bombing. Doesn't matter if they're Democrats or Republicans, they're bombing the shit out of people. And um, she would be there saying the way of Jesus invites us to stop bombing. And um, she says she grew up in Chicago and <clears throat> she was uh, trying to get some money to survive in Chicago. And she, um, she was a high schooler and she, she took a job in a butcher shop, you know, like a uh, one of these big plants that converted cows into yeah. sausages or whatever, right? And she said her job was to throw parts um, into the grinder, wow. whole cow parts, right? Or whole pig parts, whatever. Oh. I'm sorry if, if this is too graphic. I apologize. I, I mean, well, uh, I I feel like there's there's coming a point to this. Go ahead. <laughs> it may be profound in my number, but she says that um, <clears throat> she would throw these parts in. She's like, I was surrounded and consumed by destruction and blood, and it was saturated. And I didn't even know. She was like, I was just blind to it. I was just doing this thing. And um, that's how I feel we all are around war and military and consumerism and, um, and, and around racial justice and racial reparation. So we're just we're saturated in it. And there are those who are like you who are artists and who are, who are seers and prophets and who are um, visionaries who are saying there's a deeper way, you see, there's a deeper way of love. There's a deeper way of nonviolence. There's a deeper way of deep connection that lifts up the humanity of each person right. and the sacredness of all the different parts. Yeah, so how would you as a minister go about explaining or comforting or trying to make sense of all of this destruction to someone who might not be able to be more open right now. Yeah, I would, um, I, I tell stories, I tell stories. And um, I tell stories about the time that, you know, Martin Luther King went to Watts and after the, after the riots and all the white media could um, think about and all the white folks could think about was um, the destruction of the property. The how can you destroy that building? as if a building, you know, like matters that much. How could you destroy that building? How could you destroy that? And, and, and the riot is the language that's being spoken there. We're invited to hear that language. And so King went to Watts and he met a young man and the young man said, we won, we won. And King said, you know, tell me about that. What do you mean? And he was like, we won because we made them pay attention. And what, what I find in that story is that always the focus of those of us who are privileged and, you know, comfortable and in our little suburban enclaves. I don't know if Pittsburgh has sub suburbs, but I imagine oh, it does. Yeah, it definitely does. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and we focus on the building. We focus on the building, like, how are you going to destroy that? What, what? And there's this young man asking, hey, pay attention. 
Hey, pay attention. So what we pay attention to, my friend, is what can liberate us and heal us, right? And so all the Black Lives Movement is asking us is to shift our attention to hear the language. My uncle is the love languages guy. You know, the five love That's languages. Your uncle? Yeah, he's Whoa. a nice man. And when I when I wrote okay. this book, Seeds of Devotion, which is based on a Rumi quote, I, love I asked name. him, I was like, Uncle Gary, can you, can you, uh, you know, endorse my book? And he was like, Roger, you've got a beautiful way with words. It was the nicest no I've ever received. You know, he was like, you have a beautiful way with words, but you know, I'm a Southern Baptist minister. I can't, <laughs> I can't endorse your book, but it was so sweet because what was he doing? He was connecting with me and saying, you know, your path is different than my path, but I still love what you're doing. Wow. Uh, so I tell stories I and I ask that. people, yeah. I, I ask people just shift your attention just a little bit. When I'm in a unity setting, I don't go in there and talk about cows being slaughtered, right? And butched, butchered, right? Right. When I'm in a unity setting, I'm like, love invites us to ponder new ways of being. You know, I just soften it up a little bit. <laughs> when, when I'm with the Unitarians, I can really get it because they're used to it. Um, Kathleen Norris, the beautiful poet and writer, says that when she goes to a Baptist uh, church, she, she speaks of nothing but grace. And when she goes to a Unitarian church, she speaks of nothing but sin and evil, <laughs> right? Because oh, wow. she wants to yeah, balance the- Speaking the, their language, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like mm, she wants to balance it all and do all that stuff. So anyway, where are we? What would you like to talk about next, my friend? Well, I, I would like to like bring up your book a little bit, probably. Um, the seeds of devotion that your uncle did not endorse, but I'm going to. No, use. God bless him. So. <laughs> he was so damn sweet. Um, I'm trying to like find a way to connect and segue where I'm trying to go. So your book is um, full of prayer and poetry and things of that nature. And so when we're talking, yeah. And so when we're talking about like moments like Black Lives Matter, where there's like lots and lots of chaos, and it's almost a distraction for like tuning into ourselves and like taking that time um, in order to get to know ourselves, right? Yes. And where there's a lot of wisdom if we just are able to see that, but then that requires an awareness. Yes. And so. Can I share with you my yeah. approach? Yeah, please. Uh, so. A couple of different places, right? Um, the the idea is um, to quiet ourselves enough to hear. To quiet ourselves enough to hear. So this is one of the prayers after um, I talk about, like, I've never heard God actually speak to me, like, in the way that some people, like, Roger, you should go to the grocery store now. You know, like, <laughs> I, I can't hear God like that, right? And, um, but the closest I came was one time I was going down to the uh, Virginia suburbs, leaving DC on Thanksgiving to visit my friends. And the Indigo Girls came on the CD player, which I should, I should explain a CD player to you perhaps, but um, <laughs> in the car. And, um, and that was the closest thing. Like something enveloped me in grace. 
And um, so this is the prayer after that. Listen, be quiet, be still, be gentle, relax your jaw, loosen your shoulders. Listen, be gentle, be still, be quiet. Let the silence and the stillness make sacred the place you're in right now. Look at the lights or the table or the cloud or the moon or the wild wind through the wild trees. They too are a sacred text. Listen, be still, be gentle, be quiet. The world does not need your words. Let your mind crawl into your heart space and let it take a nap for a while. There's nothing to think. There's nothing to know. Surrender to that silence. Let a still quiet gently keep you just for a while. Amen. You know, the idea is to um, empty ourselves enough so that when we hear those, those voices which need to be heard, um, whether it's our partner, our spouse, or our boss, or Black Lives Matter, if we have space in our stillness, in our, in our heart, in that place that, of nothingness known to ourselves and to God, um, then if we have space in there, then those voices can be heard in a way that we don't have to react. And we can respond and say, this is the gift I can bring to this. This is the gift I can bring to this. Um, and that's what this book is about. It's about like stories about uh, COVID, mm-hmm. you know, where, where I, at midnight, I see a nurse put on the protective equipment for a woman who knows she's going to see her husband for the last time and go into that COVID room and they're going to flip him over. And when they flip him over, he's going to die um, and she's going to be there for it. But the nurse putting on that protective equipment and then taking it off, this is as sacred as the Last Supper. It's as sacred as the Garden of Gethsemane. It's as sacred as the Red Sea parting. Um, or the Buddha dying, you know, and blessing those people around him. This is an act of the sacred um, coming in to our ordinary world. In the ordinary world, the sacred is all around us. We just have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. So this book is an attempt to say stuff happens. Yeah. Sometimes the stuff is beautiful and sometimes the stuff is pretty rough. But, you know, putting aside your judgment and words and all that stuff happens. How are we going to get a prayerful, mindful approach to that stuff happening? And then what questions are we going to ask so that we really can get in touch with our deepest, truest self? and engage the world from that place. Yeah, do you have questions that you could share that might help people with that? Yeah, I, I write, a, I write, a, um, I write a, a story that is not my story, but I tell a story that is about a um, monastery that's dying. 
you know, it's just like, oh my God, we're just, nobody wants to come see us. Nobody wants to come for spiritual direction. No young people are coming to our place. What are we going to do? And so, and so the super, you know, the guy in charge goes to a rabbi who is known as a very wise person across town. And the rabbi says, I don't know how to help what you're looking for. I just don't know what to say to you. But this has been given to me. The Messiah is one of you. This Messiah is among you. And all of a sudden, ah, okay. I don't think it's Roger. God forbid that it's Roger, but maybe Roger is the Messiah. It might be Whitney. Now, all right, what if I think it might be Whitney and it might be George around the corner. But even if the possibility exists that it's Roger, and even if the probability exists that it's Whitney, when I confront you and encounter you, I'm all of a sudden thinking, I'm not just serving soup to Whitney. I'm serving soup to the Messiah, to the sacred one, right? And so I, I tell this story, and then I offer up a little prayer called, How is Love Transforming Me? Um, and then I offer up some questions. How is love transforming you? And if you just sat with that for a week, that would be plenty yeah. or a day or an hour or 15 minutes. But how is love transforming you? What narratives in your mind need a refresh, right? Those monks were like, ah, I don't like Whitney. I never liked Whitney, ay, ay, ay. right? <laughs> yeah. But the rabbi was like, Whitney might be the Messiah. Oh, Look at the gifts that Whitney brings to the table, right? I, I refresh the narrative. How do you experience the love that will not let you go? This is one of my great um, images of the divine and the holy. It's a love that will not let you go. And then when and how have you learned something special and unique by looking into someone's face? Right now, the face is something I'm fascinated with. And the reason, can I just go on for a minute? Yeah, please. So the reason is um, there was a guy named Emmanuel Levinas, Jewish philosopher, 20th century. Uh, many of his family members were killed in the Holocaust in the Shoah. And instead of giving into cynicism, instead of giving into despair, instead of giving into hopelessness, which, you know, at least for people like me is an e easy invitation, right? Um, he looks at his sacred scriptures, which is the, the Hebrew Bible, the Jewish scriptures, and all of that stuff that comes from them. And he comes up with a philosophy that involves the face. And the face is a revelation of God. A revelation of God. Just like the Bible is, or the scriptures, um, just like nature is, the face is a revelation of God. And before I can even say anything 
when I see the face of Whitney or Marta, my beloved, or my kids, before I can say anything, make any judgment, make any kind of categorization, right? Which is all head stuff. My heart knows what is revealed in that revelation. And that is thou shall not kill. Hmm. And if you interpret that in a certain way, right? That there is the sacred one. Whitney is the sacred one right now um, because I could see your face. In just a minute, I'll see Marta's face, right? And Roger is the sacred one too, right? And what we're invited to is allowing that person, a revelation of God to flourish, to flourish. That's my whole religious system in a nutshell. And how did I get there? God spell. No, I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, what you just said reminded me of a lyric in Les Miserables, actually. Oh, and, hey, bring um, it. To love another person is to see the face of God. So am I going to have to shift from God spell to Les Mis <laughs> as like, no justice, don't challenge me. Don't make me grow on a Friday morning, Whitney. <laughs> I love it, right? That's the mystery. And in my tradition, I don't know, you know, like lots of people are leaving religion, right? And there's good reason to leave religion. God bless them, right? Um, in my tradition, we've become so fixated on the imminent, on those cries of that young man who like, pay attention, that we've forgotten that there is a little mystery that's beyond us, mm -hmm. that's beyond us, that's bigger than us. And that mystery, which can't be named, but we sure enough can try. And the more that we can play with those names, the more open we'll be, right? Um, that mystery is something that everybody wants to tap into. Whether we call it religious, spirituality, ethics, morality, beauty, doesn't matter. I mean, call it whatever you want, you know, um, that we all want to connect with that, with that source from which we can respond to the world with our gifts and talents and graces and beauty in a way that does no harm, right? Right. Yeah. And, and it seems that though people might be leaving religion, um, the younger generation um, is very interested in spirituality and oh, yeah. mindfulness and meditation. Yeah. And so yeah. like there's that hope that's springing forth, I think. Here's what, here's what the questions are. You know, who am I? What do I want? And who or what is the divine, the sacred, the holy? Could be a who, it could be a what, it could be a mm -hmm. the force, you know. Um, and you know, King asks the question, where are we? Who are we? And what are we called to be in this world? Right. But um, there are there are a variety of ways to get to that. So, you know, maybe the church is dying because of COVID and because we've been 
terribly, horribly irrelevant to the needs and wishes of people who are younger. Um, but the church dying is no problem for me because the church will emerge anew. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with that. You know, if, if, if it's not feeding your spirit, if it's not feeding your soul, if it's not connecting you with the mystery and your true self, let it go. Oh, what's that? What musical is that from? Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Would it be something very cold? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, oh my God. You know, once I, uh, I did a, I did a um, service with Jen Chapin, who is Harry Chapin's daughter. She's from Brooklyn. Harry Chapin was the cat in the cradle guy. You know that song? Yeah, okay. And his daughter is a beautiful musician. She lives in Brooklyn. And um, we did this whole service where she would play one of her songs and I would riff on it. She would play one of her songs and I would riff on it. You know, the music is just such a gateway, such a gateway drug to oneness and unity and beauty well now i've spoken too long you didn't get to answer any of those questions and now <laughs> i feel like i've been cheated if you had to listen to one musical oh, that would give you the insight to how the world is and what we're called to be and who we're called to be what would it be whitney ann jenkins oh, wow. of pittsburgh I've, i had to <laughs> one musical that has all the answers to the mysteries of the world is that what you're asking yes me? yeah yeah oh my <laughs> you can um you can give me two if you want or three or four or maybe it's a play maybe it's uh, a movie maybe it's a novel maybe it's your book i don't know uh, these are these are challenging things that you're asking me well that how does it feel to be on the other side of the camera huh <laughs> well um, maybe seeds of devotion we can contemplate yeah, on faith by maybe, Roger Butts is maybe gonna... that one that one that would be a, a great start <laughs> would be i believe really you are start. right um, no seriously which what is the musical that like touches like makes your heart dance and sing and come to um, life you know what i i did the musical pippin when i was like 18 and i'm not sure if you are familiar with that one but it's another stephen schwartz and we like the, we like the stephen schwartz it it follows a boy named pippin who's like coming of age and he's going through all of these experiences in life chasing the extraordinary to only oh, yes. to only discover that what he really wants is something ordinary and simple right and so there's a, a lyric that I love and it is, and if I'm never tied to anything, I'll never be free. Mm, yes. Yes. Stephen yeah. Schwartz. Yes. Speak the truth. We think we should be unbound and like, yeah. all this stuff. but it's in those connections and those relationships mm, and, and right. those calls that yeah. bring forth the best in us. It's a pain in the ass mm -hmm. to like be married forever and be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, but I, here we are. Yeah, I feel like that's something that I continually like adjust and learn and grow from in my life is like boundaries and what they mean. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, um, 
I'm going to leave you. I love that Pippin, Mr. Schwartz. There's also a Mr. Uh, Sondheim. Oh, and, I love Sondheim. Yes. Uh, Mr. Larson and Mr. Yeah. <laughs> whoever. We There's got to be some misses. Are there any misses who, who write plays and, and, and there are musicals? Some. There are some. Yeah. Fun yeah. House, the woman who wrote Fun House mm-hmm. or Fun Home. Fun Home. Fun home. Yeah. Fun Home. That was so good. I was like, cried <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Like yeah. one of my prayers begins this Allah, Buddha, Jesus, Mother Mary, God, Yahweh, Sister Dorothy Day, Brother Martin, Father Lewis, whatever your name, whoever you call, whoever you use, call me, use me. Right? My heart is broken, the way is unclear, the path is long, my spirit is humbled, my son is hurting, my neighbor is crying the guy under the bridge needs a meal my spouse needs to be heard who am i what can i offer just this my broken heart that still beats thank you thank you thank you my old ears that still hear thank you thank you thank you my feet that have journeyed long that can carry me from here to there thank you thank you thank you so Carry me, God, however you do that from here to there, and I'll follow, and I'll walk, and I'll listen, and I'll stay awake. Though the night is long, your light will guide me. Amen. So it's that kind of book. Yeah, beautiful. That's the kind of prayer I write. Mm-hmm. Can I offer you a blessing real quick? Sure. I will. And your peoples, your followers, accept. absolutely. Like your your you your um twelve disciples. I shall receive these blessings. Yes. And your and your and your disciples. Yes. They can <laughs> they can hear it too. They can. They can. This is our closing word. Okay. Okay. Whitney Ann Jenkins Already. from Pittsburgh. <laughs> you can stop saying Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, you don't want anybody to know where you are. Are you okay. hiding from the law? I'm not hiding. Are you using a trust fund to hide from the law? Well, it's complicated, but <laughs> I met um, Philly. I met Philly. I'm in Alaska. <laughs> Tell me about your trust fund. Oh, that's that's another conversation. That, yeah, maybe maybe next week. Yeah, just edit out the Pittsburgh stuff and put in like Anchorage, <laughs> like this robotic Anchorage. No, no, it's totally fine. I'm just kidding. May life surprise you today. May a sense of grace come out of nowhere in the middle of your daily tasks. May a sense of peace find you in the unlikeliest of places. May a sense of courage and renewal find you. May God's love surround you. And may a gentleness, a returning quietness, and a restoring stillness be with you now and always. A restorative wholeness is yours to claim and embrace. And may faith, hope, and love be your constant companions. God bless your day. Amen. Excellent. Thank you so much. That was great. You're great. If people would like to purchase your book. Oh, yeah. uh, Where can we lead them to? Uh, Seeds of Devotion is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Cokesbury, um, which is a religious a group bookshop um they can find me on facebook roger butts and i'll send them a copy Perfect. you know i've got a yeah. few copies i will uh, um i'll add some links. the uua bookstore yeah. okay the uua bookstore 
I will add links into the show notes so people can just click on it very easily. I have a second book coming out. Oh, okay. Called Praying the Poets. It's not quite done yet, but it's about using poetry to wake up our spirits and touch our true selves. I feel like I would like that one a lot, very much. It's your, it's your, it's your musical. Is that how you came across um, Rumi? Do you want to talk about that for a second? Uh, Rumi, I just have known Rumi for a long time. Okay. And the, the University of, let me tell your people this, the University of Chicago Press has a um, collection of Rumi poems that are very different yeah. than what the the newer people say. Mm-hmm. Like if you really want to not divorce Rumi from his context and from yeah. his language Muslim yeah. Sufi self, check that out, you know? Um, because, you know, so, so sometimes these translators, you learn more about the translator than right. about Rumi, right? Yeah. But this, this academic, it's really fascinating. It's really the deep end of the pool. Um, I, I don't know what it's called anymore, you know, but the University of Chicago has a collection of his poems that are just stunning. Thank you. Thank you for that tip. I shall check that out. <laughs> and keep shining and keep blessing the world. You're blessing the world. I can just see it in your in your eyes and in oh. your face. Well, thank you. I'm trying to do my part. That's all we can Still do. Still figuring it out step by step. Oh, but. oh my God! You look like you. Well, okay, yeah. You, I'm, you figured out. It's a lifetime of great adventure. Yes, absolutely. So I do have one last question that I asked my guests oh. before we. Oh yeah, we my dog off. came in. I think my dog, you know, my black lab came in. I think she wanted to answer a well, question. She can answer Grace, too. Absolutely, she can answer now this she, question. Now she left. Damn it. Darn. We'll do a we'll do a podcast with her. Um, maybe. Oh my god! Yeah. My wife, when COVID hit, my wife is also a minister, and when COVID hit, she um, she started a podcast called "Jesus Has Left the Building." <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, about all these ministries that are going on outside of church buildings. Huh. That is very clever. I like it. It's very. She is very. She is very Italian and very clever and very loving. Mm, okay, where from Italy is she from? Well, her papa came over from somewhere, like Mount Casino or something, okay. like pretty close to that. Agricultural. Is she a really a ama- amazing cook? Does she cook amazing food? Oh my too? god! Yeah. Don't even start. Her name is Marta Fioriti, and so she can cook. Her papa yeah. owned restaurants and stuff. It was, he was brilliant. Perfect. So the question I ask is, if your inner voice had a billboard, what would it say to the world? Keep shining. Keep blessing the world. Keep shining. Keep blessing the world. Great. At the heart of all creation, there is a goodness from which we come and which we live our fullest to which we shall at last return. And that is the ultimate reality. Mm-hmm. That's too long for a billboard. So keep shining, keep blessing. I mean, you could have a couple in a row. It, it, it might be okay. <laughs> keep shining, keep blessing the world. Yeah. And see in the face of everyone you encounter and everything you encounter, the the, the, the revelation of God. Amazing. Well, thank you so much oh. for sharing your time and your wisdom. Well, such as it is. It's great to meet you. you too. Blessings on your path. Thank you. You too.
Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay tuned in to you.